while I was on maternity leave, I negotiated, and a lot of people don't know about this, you get 10 keeping in touch days with your organisation and that's paid work that you can do during your maternity leave in order to stay relevant, keep in touch, make sure you're on finger on the pulse. Pretty much no one in my mother's group knew about it. A lot of people in my friendship circle didn't know about it. Hello and welcome to Mum Life, a podcast for ambitious mums navigating the sweet and messy journey of motherhood. I'm Leonie Kidanor, and each week I will bring you conversations with mums and parenting experts about the highs and lows of motherhood and tips to make our lives that little bit easier. Hi everyone, it's great to be back for season two. (laughs) I've missed you guys. I hope you've all had a great couple of weeks. My season break was really good. Um, On the work front, life was a little all-consuming. For those of you who don't know, I'm a property developer and I work for our family business called Viewbank Homes. Um, My parents started the business 30 years ago. And we build boutique housing estates in Melbourne's north. And during the season break, we actually launched one of our latest housing estates of eight townhouses in South Morang. And so, yes, work was all consuming, but it was really exciting to get that off the ground. On the home front, my little cherubs are doing well. Noah, my two and a half year old, is stringing his words together and cracking us all up. His current favourite phrase is, come on, man. And he says it with such attitude. It is hilarious. It's so funny what they learn. And I'm like, where did you even hear that from? It's not like I'm rolling around the house saying, come on, man, and you know, every other sentence. So it's just crazy what they pick up. And we do have to be a bit mindful on the, um, the naughty word front now because he's literally mimicking everything we say. Our little almost one-year-old Charlie is doing really well too. He's almost walking and he's just nipping at his brother's heels constantly. Um, the two boys have certainly now finally realised that each other exist. And so that's great in that they can entertain themselves for a good 30 seconds before, you know, somersaulting on the ground and pulling each other's hair and me having to tear them apart. But, you know, <laughs> I feel like that is life with two under two. Today, I'm actually bringing you a conversation about the mum juggle with my girlfriend, Kate. Kate is an executive director at her company, so also similarly has a very demanding job. And we talk about all the things that, you know, that we all, the challenges that we face as, as career women, particularly when you're in a couple with where both people have demanding jobs. But before I get into that conversation, I'd like to give you a bit of a mum life moment that I had last week. So, Basically, before last week, everything was kind of going relatively well and relatively predictable. Um, I felt like our family was a bit of a well-oiled machine. You know, the childcare schedule was good. Nanny schedule was good. I was able to do my job. Everyone's able to, you know, do their respective roles. And it was all sort of ticking along. And then someone gets sick. And then I get sick. And then Noah gets conjunctivitis. And then Charlie gets conjunctivitis and then there's no childcare and there's no nannies and there's me taking an entire week off work to be with the children in our germy little environment that we'd created at our home. 
that's tough. And I feel like that's probably one of the biggest challenges that I'm facing recently. It's when the kids get sick, you've got to take time off work, your entire schedule gets thrown out. Um, and, you know, typically it's the person in the couple that potentially has a little bit more flexibility in their job that stays home. So, you know, I'm my own boss and not that my work schedule's, you know, any less demanding than Jules, my partner's. However, you know, I step in and have to take on that role of, of being the home carer of the children. Um, Jules, my partner, works in more of a corporate structure and it's just a little bit harder for him to be able to take that time off. So, look, that was a challenge in itself. But anyway, I'm sitting there in the midst of like the hell that was last week and I and I thought to myself, so we'd planned to go to my parents' beach house uh, last weekend in the Mornington Peninsula. So I thought to myself, you know what, I've got these Indota spa vouchers that I hadn't used since pre-COVID. I'm going to book myself in for a spa treatment. At that point, I'll be better. The kids hopefully will be better too. And, you know, I'll be able to take that time for myself. So, and I even thought in my head, oh my God, this is going to be just the perfect morning. Saturday morning, I'll wake up, you know, the kids will, you know, I'll get them organized. And from eight till nine, I'll wash my hair, iron my hair. I have Beyonce style hair. So it takes me a little bit of time to get it nicely straightened and tamed. And, you know, I'll listen to my ebook while I'm straightening my hair, as I always do. And then, you know, I'll swan out of the house. I'll take the scenic route to Mornington. I'll just, you know, blissfully walk through the, the doors and I'll just be like, I'm ready for my spa treatment. It would just be a great morning just for me. I've, I deserve this. This is going to be so good. The reality of the situation was we wake up on Saturday morning. The kids... I'm getting them ready. Then we have an unexpected punami. We have an unexpected vomit. We realise that actually we don't have enough goat swipes for the kids' nappies. So I have to run to Chemist Warehouse to go get goat swipes. I get back to the house and I realise actually we've run out of nappies for Charlie, which I hadn't realised prior. So I'm running back to Chemist Warehouse to get nappies for Charlie. Before you know it, it's 8.45. I was meant to start my blissful morning to myself at 8. And I'm there in the shower, washing my hair like my life depends on it at the speed of light, ironing at the speed of life, stressed, not listening to my ebook. Kids are running in and out of the bathroom. I'm screaming, get out. This is my time. Jules is asking me questions. I'm like, I can't deal with you right now. I'm just straightening, straightening, straightening. Anyway, I'm almost out the door and I feel like, okay, if I take the fast route to Endota, I'll still make my spa treatment on time. I'm almost out the door and Jules is like, hey, Lee, um, do you reckon I've got time to like duck down to the local cafe and get, get a coffee, you know, before you go? Like, can you look after the kids? It'd just be easier if I go down myself. Like, do you reckon you've got, you've got time? And I look at him and I'm thinking, this was meant to be my morning of bliss. This is, I don't ask for much and I've been with the kids all week and I just wanted a couple of hours to myself and how dare you ask me if you can go and get coffee when I'm already running late and can't you see I'm flustered? But instead I look at him, I walk up to him and I say, no, darling, you don't have time. I give him a kiss on the cheek, kids screaming in the background, and I walk straight out that door and I do not turn back. I get in my car and I drive at the speed of light, the fast way to Indota Spa, not the scenic way. And I get there disheveled, walk through the spa doors and I and I get hit by the smell of the, you know, that beautiful spa, spa smell. And already I'm like, okay, I feel like I can start decompressing. I sit down in the waiting room with like one minute to spare. And I just think to myself, oh my God, like 
this is mum life. Like I need to tell my my community <laughs> about the reality of things. And what's funny is I put up a post on social media of like me at Indota Spa, bliss, how great. But again, there's always a story behind the post. So look, I thought that might resonate with you all. I'm sure you've all found had a time where you thought, okay, this is exactly how it's going to go and I'm going to prioritise me and it's going to be fab. And you end up completely disheveled. However, the important thing is that we still do those things, that we still schedule those things in. And even if we didn't get the two hours of bliss that I was hoping my morning would be, I got a beautiful one hour of of bliss with my massage and facials. So you know what? You just take those moments and you just hold on to them tightly. And I was super grateful just to be able to have that little bit of time for myself. And I realized, you know what? That's life now as a mum and um, I've got to sort of recalibrate my expectations and I constantly feel like I have to do that. Okay, so let's jump into the episode. So today, as I said to you, we're speaking um, speaking with Kate, a really good friend of mine, about how she has navigated um, her time as a mother. We talk about her first year of motherhood and her time on maternity leave, how she was able to stay connected with her role in the corporate job and not feel forgotten, and also how we navigate our relationships where there's two people in the partnership who have demanding jobs and, you know, we also have a child to look after. So, you know, how do you, how do you go about that? It was really nice speaking to Kate because I feel like there were so many similarities in our story and I hope that you all get something out of it too. Let's cut to the conversation. Kate, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Very excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about your life prior to having your gorgeous little Eloise in your life. What what did you like doing? What was your career like? Um, yeah, talk me through a little bit about your lifestyle then. Yeah, no problem. So pretty busy career. Um, I used to work across two states. I'd be in Perth once a month. So that means, yeah, I was traveling once a month. I used to spend about a week a month over in Perth, which I quite liked the freedom. Um, I used to, when I was back in Melbourne, I used to spend a lot of time going out with girlfriends, going out for dinner with my husband, um, socializing a lot. And I loved to travel anywhere I could go, um, down the morning into peninsula, overseas, everything and anything. <laughs> yeah, sounds very relatable. Um, <laughs> so to, um, then were children always on the horizon for you or how did that conversation sort of come about initially? Yeah, they probably weren't on the horizon for me. Um, I'm not the most maternal person. I'm, I've always preferred puppies than babies. Um, <laughs> I'm always the first one to um, pat a puppy than um, go near a newborn baby. But um, I guess I was a little bit more focused on my career. Uh, But when I met my now husband, um, he pretty much made it pretty clear to me that it was a deal breaker um, if we weren't (laughs) to have a family. So I had to have a long, hard look at myself and how much I wanted him, how much I wanted a family and how much I wanted a career. And um, I guess... I put down some kind of ground rules on what I needed in order to feel, I guess, comfortable having a baby and having a family. Um, And I needed to feel pretty settled before I had kids. So we focused on really saving for a house, um, me getting where I really wanted to in my career so that I felt like I was kind of in a safe and settled position in order to have 
children um, so, and obviously doing as much travel as I could before um, before lovely Eloise came along. I knew that having a baby for me was going to be pretty, um, it was going to be a very big life change. So um, I needed to have kind of some structures in place in order to be able to um, deal with that new challenge in my life. <laughs> yeah. And what um, what did you think motherhood would look like as far as, I guess, the impact on, you know, that that busy lifestyle that you did have? What did you predict, you know, it to look like? Yeah, I predicted it was going to be pretty hard and pretty challenging. Um, and I guess that's why I had to put those kind of structures in place and those support functions in place before I had Eloise. Um, just because I guess for me, I was pretty comfortable in my life. I loved what I was doing. I felt fulfilled by my career. Um, So I knew that having a child was going to kind of take me away from all that stuff and kind of turn my life upside down. Um, I'm also pretty structured um, in my approach. So um, obviously having a baby has to be a lot more flexible and you can't always... um, be in control of everything. So, um, yeah, I had to control what I could control before I couldn't control anything. (laughs) I guess for me as well, given I wasn't always set on having kids, I did spend quite a lot of time when my friends and family had kids really getting people to tell me the warts and all at the time. Um, Mm. In case I ever did have kids, I wanted to go in eyes wide open. So Mm. I guess when friends and family have just had babies. Um, the first question I would always ask them was, you know, what's the, what, what's the most scariest thing that you didn't expect? What's been the biggest Mm. surprise? So that, um, hopefully I, if, if I did get to that stage, which of course I have now, um, I Mm. went in a bit more eyes wide open. So I wouldn't be the one asking about the great stories. I'd be like, what's the scariest thing that's happened to you? I remember that you, when you first saw me after I had Noah, you were like, tell me about the birth. No, no, no. I want to know everything. The warts and all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Give me the real story. Yeah. And I think I might've even been pregnant at that stage. So I was just like, yeah, Yeah. don't sugarcoat it. I need to know what I'm in for. Not that you ever do know what you're in for, but. (laughs) No, but it's good to at least have a little bit of an idea. Yeah. Some sort of concept around what it could look like for you. Exactly. So given given your busy life, once you did have Aloise, um, was the, Im- you know, did she impact your life in the way that you thought she would as far as that sort of lifestyle piece goes? Yeah, definitely. I guess um, for me, I love freedom. I love to do what I want when I want to do it. And um, having a child, you definitely cannot do that. It's very mm. difficult to plan things. You um, find that um, once you have a baby, whereas I could have been footloose and fancy free, um, it would actually take me about an hour and a half just to leave the house. So yeah. <laughs> um, I'm one of those people that's usually like always miraculously on time everywhere. And all of a sudden I was realising that actually you can't go out for breakfast before you're going to lunch to somebody's house. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, it did kind of throw my world upside down. And I guess probably for me as well is I'm used to 
kind of achieving a lot throughout my day. Um, and then once having Eloise, it was like I'd achieved a lot if I'd been able to, you know, have a shower. (laughs) So, um, you know, that was pretty difficult, um, for me in terms Mm. of my husband going to work every day. And I'm like, Mm. yeah, I'm lucky if I can feed myself, feed my baby, get myself in order, go for a walk, you know. You've got to actually just recalibrate your goals and focus on the little things and be happy with that. But it does take a little while to do. (laughs) It does. And particularly when you're kind of used to, you know, achieving, you know, in a a big way, I feel like, I mean, similarly, I just felt like, okay, so me having a shower and having my baby clean in the morning as an achievement milestone, I was just kind of like, I can't believe that this is like what my life is right now. Like it's just such a shift in mindset. How, um, how long did you take off for maternity leave? Um, I took 11 months. So Mm. I went a hundred miles an hour while I was pregnant working and mm. I finished up with a month to go. And I thought as soon as I stopped working because I'd finally settled down that the baby would come straight away. Um, mm. But then the baby decided to come like a day after a due date. So I ended up having a good month and um, I ended up the last week, I was literally climbing over the walls. I was sugar soaping the whole house, all the walls, and I was up on a chair and I had a painter around and he was just like, what are you doing? Can you just relax? And I'm like, I'm actually going insane. I'm like, when will this baby come? Yes. And I suppose being such a busy person usually and then kind of, you know, I think the novelty probably starts wearing off when you're home for like one week, then two weeks, then three weeks, and then you're waiting and yeah. it's kind of like, you know. Day one, I was literally spent, day one of my maternity leave, I literally spent in bed. I had pancakes for lunch. Um, I read a book all day. And, yeah, that was day one. And then I ended up, like, literally that last week when I sugar-soaked all the walls, I detailed my car, like, Oh, it was just hilarious. Like the neighbours would just come past and see me doing the most ridiculous things in the front yard and they were just like, can you just relax, please? With your big belly, you know, like, yeah, I've got this. Exactly, just waddling along. (laughs) So how did you find maternity leave then? Because 11 months, I mean, for again, for someone who's used usually, you know, on a plane and, got, you know, doing things and out and about and all of that, and then all of a sudden you're nesting for 11 months, um, how was that for you? Well, the good thing is I didn't actually nest for 11 months. So I luckily enough I won um, an award at work Uh the year before, and that got me a trip to Noosa. So when Eloise was five weeks old, I got to go with a hundred of my colleagues to Noosa and celebrate our what we called Star Awards. And the only way I was able to do that was um, I took my mum with me. So she looked after Eloise while I got to go to the conference, go to the awards. And then luckily enough, um, I actually won those big awards and then I got to go to Hong Kong as well. So then when Eloise was five months old through work with, I think, the top 1% of the business, I got to go on an all-expenses paid trip to Hong Kong. So that was awesome. And then also I got to go to your wedding um, as well in um, the Greek islands. So I guess um, I was lucky enough to still be really engaged with work um, Mm. in a lot of ways as well as did a lot of travelling. My 
family lives on the Mornington Peninsula, so I spent a lot of time in Mornington. But I did still find it very challenging when I didn't have things to do, when I didn't have people to visit. Like I remember calling one of my girlfriends one day and I'd literally been walking around the streets for like three hours. Like it was just a sad state of affairs. I'm like all I am doing is walking around the streets. And also when you have the days when she just doesn't stop crying, you literally Mm. go insane. You're just like I've not achieved anything today. My baby has just been crying all day. I am literally losing my mind. And I guess what was particularly challenging for me during maternity Mm. leave is my now husband, he works very long hours. So, you Mm. know, when some you know, partners come home at, you know, 5, 5.30 and, you know, that's when you can have your respite time. Like my partner sometimes works to 1am in the morning. So, um, you know, he made a really strong effort to really make sure he came home, you know, to have dinner with us and do that nighttime routine. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, that's not always possible. So there was definitely mm-hmm. some some long days. So I'm lucky that I had a lot of friends and family around um, that I was able to kind of speak to, share stories with, let them know when I was losing my mind. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I, I was very lucky in that respect because I did find it particularly challenging. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? I mean, you know, being a busy person, being out and about, then being more, I mean, yes, you obviously had a few great overseas trips. Awesome. But you know, the day to day, I guess when you're, when you're at home and you're with the little one, um, and you're, I guess you're learning all about the little one and how, you know, you're still not sleeping and all of that. Is there a time that sort of comes to mind where you sort of started thinking bloody hell, like what I've got myself into? <laughs> can, can I be really honest? Can I tell yes, a absolutely. Like, gory story? Um, um, go for it. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I hope this is okay. So when, um, I came home, I actually had this is straight from hospital, so Eloise must have been, what, five days old. So Mm. she had a bit of trouble latching um, and Mm. so one nipple she had actually ripped in in half. So um, what that meant is I had to um, express on the ripped nipple side in order to keep the... keep the milk flow going and then Mm. she was just drinking out of the one side but by drinking out of the one side she was then inflaming the other nipple um and Mm. then having to express on the side of the ripped nipple side Mm. you know how long that takes you know it takes an hour when they're newborns to feed Mm. and then you're taking another hour to express and then you've got an hour to sit down and have a nap before you're Mm. getting up again to start the whole process again. So Mm. I actually at the very start lost Mm. my mind a little bit because Mm. I was doing all that. I was in a lot of pain through the feeding plus I wasn't sleeping and Mm. I I literally did lose my mind a little bit and I remember (laughs) I just yelled at my partner, Pavlo, and I was he was just like, you've got to go to bed. And I was like, I can't go to bed. I've got to feed my baby. And he's like, you are going to bed. And I remember he literally just put me to bed and it's like Mm. I cried myself to sleep, but I felt so much better afterwards. And at that stage he reread the book that I gave him, um, 
Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it not it midwife t- cast. Yes, no. yes, is it? it is. Yeah, which talks about the bath, bottle, and bed routine yes. where mm-hmm. the husband's supposed to do the last feed of the day, so the wife can go to bed at seven and actually get yes. some sleep. And mm. I swear to goodness, that saved our life because <laughs> he was like, "What is this woman that?" <laughs> I am with because I was literally losing my mind and yeah. I was just like, I'm not going to survive this. And oh, then on top yeah. of that, we had a lot of visitors in the early stage. Um, mm. And so when I'm trying to learn how to feed, I'm mm. sleep deprived. I've got visitors coming over. I'm trying to make them mm. cups of teas and things, which I just mm. should have said, stuff it. Or yeah. I should just close the door and not let people in. But um, mm. yeah, that was definitely a learning for me um, mm. because you Gosh. can't, you can't hold it all together. <laughs> That's the thing. So how long were you doing the pumping the feed like was that for a while yeah it was probably a good kind of week and a bit because you have to wait for it to recover but then Mm. once they start to latch on again you know it rips open again so you have to go through the whole process um and yeah at at some stage you're just like I don't even know if I'm gonna bother because then you get Mm. mastitis because you get bacterial mastitis because it's open wound and um yeah I think I had mastitis about six or seven times I had to be on antibodies. Is that right? Yeah, I know. Wow. Most people I've spoken to, they're like, we just would have given up, like just yeah. gone straight to formula. Yeah. So at, at some point did you end up going to formula? I did go to formula once, not not at that early stage. I went to formula around eight or nine months when mm. I was transitioning back to work um, mm. and I was also just a bit over it by that stage, to be honest. Yeah. I just wanted to yeah. kind of not be the sole caregiver of the child. I wanted her to be able to be fed by other people and, and not have to think about expressing if I needed to do something. And, yeah, it's it was just doing my task. nothing. Yeah, yeah, oh, 100%. I was the same. I think after about seven, eight months, I was like, yeah, you know what, we're done here. Mum yeah. needs her body back. And, like, yeah. <laughs> I also need those precious hours back that I was sitting there pumping away, yeah. <laughs> you know, all of those things. So that was the question I was going to ask you, actually, when you, when you did go back to work. So, um, um, Eloise was for, uh, formula fed from them, so you didn't have to worry about sort of pumping at work or anything like that? No, no, thank goodness. Yeah. And yeah. I just don't think I would have been 100% comfortable. I mean, work mm. would have been fine in terms of giving me a room to do it in and things like that. But I don't know, when you're at work, you're in, for me personally, I'm in work mm. mode. So yeah. I think having to like, go into a room, take all your materials, put it together. I'm not sure mm. how much I actually would have ex- like even expressed during that time because I would have been thinking yeah. about other things. So I might have been yes. spending an hour or half an hour expressing to get, what, mm. 40 mils of milk, yeah. which like... Yeah, what's that no. gonna do you know yeah no totally it just reminds me I mean this whole pumping thing is just and also just maintaining that milk supply it reminds yeah. me even on my hen's day right so we're in <laughs> at the botanical in South Yarra and I'm there like in this tight little dress with my boobs kind of like all hard because I was still <laughs> I was still feeding and there I am I'm like looking at the clock I'm like oh it's three o'clock better you know better start pumping so that I don't yeah. you know and there I am in the bathrooms and the number of times that's happened where like girlfriends and I will be out 
excited about. It's like, oh, got a pump, you know, and you just think that is the, that's the last thing on earth that you want to do. And as you said, like at work, you know, as I said, in bars, et cetera, and it is just such a thing to maintain. And I just never appreciated that until I had to be the one, you know, with the kid having to maintain my own milk supply. It's such a chore. I know. And who has the time? It's Honestly, like (laughs) such a commitment. When your baby feeds, like the milk comes a lot easier. But for me personally, when I was expressing, it would take Mm. a lot longer than if she was feeding. So I got to the stage where I used to express in the morning so that Pablo could do the night feed with my express Mm. milk. But then I got to a stage where I'm just like, listen, I'm just going to feed her before she goes to bed because it's actually Mm. a lot easier to do that than actually express. Like at the early stage, it makes sense Mm. because you really, really Mm. need that time. But once they get older and they drink less, then it's just a lot quicker and they're more efficient with their feeding. Yes, true. Um, So talk to me then about, so you, you, you went back to work. Did you experience mum guilt? Did you experience, were you completely elated? Talk to me about your emotions of going back to work. I've got to say I was completely elated. (laughs) I remember the first day I got off the train and I was going down Collins Street. I actually felt like there was music behind me and I was in, like I had a theme song. I was literally skipping down the street. I saw people I hadn't seen for a while. I was giving them like air high fives. It's like freedom. Oh, my goodness. Like I seriously, like I was really elated and just being able to get up go, just look after Mm. myself, not have Mm. to get a baby up. And Mm. then I know, again, I'm not sure whether or not this is appropriate to say, but the fact that I could actually (laughs) go to the toilet without Mm. having a baby like knocking on the door or Mm. sitting on my Mm. knee, like literally it was just bliss. And then I would, (laughs) I I literally, because I started at 7.30, I did 7.30 till 4.30, I could leave the house, Mm. my partner got Eloise up, got her dressed and everything. So I left. Mm. I had breakfast at work, like all this time to myself. Mm. And then I used to have lunch breaks and I'd just sit down at a cafe and eat soup and just stare Mm. into space and just be enjoying the bliss of nothingness and just the mindfulness of being able to sit there and eat soup without having to think about anything else. Like it was like the biggest breakthrough ever. I know that's terrible to say and I should be like no massive mum guilt, but um, it was just literally freedom. Yeah. Well, hey, it's honest. So how about then your mindset looking at your career, you know, and the way it was interrupted by the year, which we can all relate to and and now where where you went ahead and now knowing that there's a child um, involved too. Where's your Where's your head at with all of that? Yeah, I don't know. I think for me, I was lucky enough to get to a point in my career before I had children. You know, as an associate director, I think you're at a level of leadership that you're very employable in the market, and mm-hmm. you're you're also in a position where you've got a team that sits underneath you. So while you're gone, that team can continue to do what you need them to do and you can Mm -hmm. continue that legacy. So I've been really lucky in that respect in terms of my career. Um, Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I recently, since I came back, got a promotion and I've just stepped into a new role within my organisation. And, I mean, that's that's the sixth role that I've taken 
in six years. Um, so that's been all career progression during that time. But I think you have to really work on that. So for example, while I was on maternity leave, I negotiated, and a lot of people don't know about this, you get 10 keeping in touch days with your organisation and that's paid work that you can do during your maternity leave in order to stay relevant, keep in touch, make sure you're on finger on the pulse. Pretty much no one in my mother's group knew about it. A lot of people in my mm-hmm. friendship circle didn't know about it. I think I ended up using about six or eight of those 10 keeping in touch days. I use them for business planning sessions. I use them for conducting training, um, qu- quarterly meetings. So all that type of thing kept my finger on the pulse at work and kept me engaged and understanding what's going on, what changes have happened in the business, where I had other people that returned in my mother's group that returned to work and they just felt like they'd been completely sidelined. Their whole program at work had been given to someone else. They had to kind of start afresh because they had to kind of make themselves relevant again. And I was really sad to kind of hear those stories because, I mean, I was lucky enough to come back into an organisation where into a great role. I had a great team that sat underneath me. I was welcomed. So that I think is a very different experience to what a lot of people have. And I do know, Mm -hmm. you know, some people in my friendship circle um, from a career perspective is sometimes they felt like they've had to start again when they've gone back. So Mm -hmm. I guess in terms of advice I would have is just trying to create that open dialogue before you go on maternity leave of what you want, when you want to come back, how you're wanting to keep in touch where your career goals are, maintaining that network, making sure you're keeping that finger on the pulse, understanding who you need to speak to within the organisation and having that voice as well as trying to have as many mentors as you can and internal sponsors within the organisation to make sure, yeah, you you keep that position because you deserve that position. Absolutely. So I know t- that sounded t- a bit ranty. I'm sorry. No, but I'm no, just really ex- passionate about this. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And look, it's a, as you said, it's very common that this is what we're facing as women. I mean, it really often, saddens yeah, me to that, be honest. Oh, it's yeah. Talk to me about the ten keeping in touch days. So is that like how you're entitled to, to like sick leave or annual leave? Is that just another? part of it or yeah so it's it's mandated through the government during your parental Mm -hmm. leave you can have 10 keeping in touch days it needs to be negotiated Mm -hmm. with your organization so when you're putting in your your parental leave um Mm -hmm. and getting that um signed off um by hr before you go on leave you can Mm -hmm. also say um you know i'd be really keen to have those keeping in touch days you speak to your manager to go how might i utilize those um and then literally you get them paid. So I, if I was doing any work while I was on um, parental leave, I just used to log those hours, um, let my manager know that I was working and that would all contribute to the keeping in touch days. And then I'd have the more formal ones, which was the quarterly meetings, the um, planning meetings, the um, the business updates, all those sorts of things that I used to join in on so that I knew what was going on within the organisation and I didn't kind of come back. And, you know, we had systems changes and things while I was gone, so I did the system changes training and all those Mm. sorts of things and all that was paid. Um, And it was good for me to keep me engaged, motivated, Mm. and it also meant that when I came back into work I transitioned in a lot quicker because I didn't have to kind of pick up 
what was going on. I also um, kept on my emails while I was gone. Um, mm. And when I say kept on my emails, I would just kind of check them periodically because I had a lot of clients that would still get in contact and I'd just pass those um queries on to um, people within my team and interestingly Mm. enough I actually had someone in my team actually um, you know do a bit of a managing up situation he was like Kate we've got this we do not (laughs) need you to reply to our clients Um, we've got this don't worry and you know what I actually needed that to kind of switch off a little Mm. bit and you also need to do it to empower your staff as well to make Mm. them feel comfortable you know otherwise you're just a micromanager so I really appreciated um I really appreciated getting that feedback (laughs) it's amazing how we hold on to you know what we know I mean I as far as um what happened with me I was the same like I'd just given birth to Noah uh, it was two weeks out from a massive um, housing estate being, you know, finished. We were so busy at work. And anyway, Noah comes two weeks early. So, and I, I remember I, I was sitting there at home. I'd just gotten home with him. Jules was at work that day. Noah's in the cot and it's like, I could just own the bassinet and I'm smashing away on my emails. And then he starts crying. And I was just kind of like, I can't deal with that right now. Like, I don't know, like, what to do with this crying yeah. So what but I'm going to do, do I'm going to finish my emails. Like, so I'm sitting there, like, control. exactly right. So I'm sitting there hammering away on the keyboards. And then at that point, Jules walks in and he's like, dude, what are you doing? What's and going I'm like, on? I'm like, he's like, is the baby okay? I'm like, I'm like, oh, he's only been crying for, like, a minute. It's fine. I was just going to do this. And he's like, whoa. And he grabs my laptop. He's like, step away from the laptop. I'm like, but, but they need need me <laughs> and, it, and it's not that they needed me it's that I needed yeah. I needed that it's my yeah. sense of identity everything was tied to that and being a mum was yeah. like I didn't know what to do or who no. I was in that mum no, but role. you know how to send an email exactly <laughs> and you know and it's that sort of I guess self-worth piece I'm yeah. like well you know I'm getting you know that external validation from sending my emails and getting responses versus exactly. you know my kid's not telling me I'm doing a good job so. exactly it doesn't matter whether or not I change that diaper, feed that baby, yes. cuddle that baby, that baby's still crying and I don't know what you need. Talk exactly. to me, tell me, yes. reply to my email, please. Yes. So it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I think that's one thing I'm still probably transitioning into and trying to figure out at the moment who is, you know, Leonie as the mother, as the, you know, still, you know, with the career. However, there's this whole other piece to me now. And I I certainly don't feel like that. um, Yeah, you, you shift as a person and all of a sudden your priorities change slightly. And I think I'm still trying to form that identity around what that looks like. Mm. Um, Have you sort of experienced any sort of challenges around that or have you kind of found the transition relatively easy from, you know, career woman plus mother, that piece? I don't think you'd ever say it's relatively easy. Mm. I think um, for me, uh, and I've said it a million times, it's around kind of creating the structures to support that. So, Mm. like, I think for me it's it's pushing back and being really clear around your time when you're at work. So I really clearly say to people I work 7.30 to 4.30, which actually works quite well because most of the people at my organisation started around 8.39. So it means by the time they've started I've got all my emails done, I'm on top of getting back to everyone so that when they get there it's kind of all systems go with whatever I'm working on with them and I can just kind of 
hit the ground running. It probably pisses them off because, um, you know, they're just kind of starting their day and they're just wanting to get into it. But mm. it works really well for me. Mm. And I think as well, um, you know, I've just had to be really organised. So, like, with baby food and things like that, like, I've got, like, containers of baby food, like, ready to go. So just, like, veggies mm. that go with meat at night. Um, I've got heaps of frozen food for dinners. Um I mean, I get a lot of help from family and friends, um, but I think I've had to learn how to ask for that help as well um, and learning what I actually need help with and what I don't. So it's definitely, and I'd probably say one of the biggest challenges has been, you know, the work transition's been really good, but it's when childcare rings you and says she's got a fever and mm. you need to come home now. And it's like, well, actually, I've got client meetings. I've got a pitch that I've got to do. Mm. Um, and I do remember saying to childcare, but, you know, is 39 really a temperature I need to come and pick her up from? <laughs> Which I was just like, worst mother ever. Yeah. Um, and they're like, yes. Yes, you do. Did you not read the rules? But, I mean, the other thing, like, at times like that, I think at the start I was like, well, I've got to go pick her up. And mm. I think as mothers we assume that, and it's because I'm the number that childcare rings. They always ring me. But, mm. you know, I did get to a point where I'm like, actually, you know, there's two parents here. I mean, I'm lucky enough that there's two parents here. Yeah. And, yeah, Pablo does work really long hours. But I did get to a point where I just, you know, I, I do the majority of the pickup from childcare and if she's mm. sick or if she's been bitten or if she's hit her head or whatever the story is on the day. Mm. Um, but, you know, I did get to a point where I had a pitch in the afternoon and I just said to Pablo, you're going to have to come home, you're going to have to pick her up because mm. I've got something to do. And, you know, you, you feel a little bit more guilty about that, but mm. it's an expectation generally. Well, again, I'm I'm probably stereotyping things here, but it is more common than not that, no, you I, know, the mum's going to go pick up the child. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm lucky enough I had a father in my mother's group, so it, it's definitely mm. changing a lot more and I think yeah. we've got to kind of support that change and I think sometimes... I don't ask Pablo for what I need and I've actually mm. got to be a lot more open and honest with that and say this is the help I need because mm. if I don't do that, he's not going to naturally think about the help I need. So yes. that's something that I've actually had to learn. Mm. Otherwise I was so stressed by the time it got to the end of the night that mm. I would literally eat dinner, I'd sit on the couch, stare at a screen and mm. I wouldn't even want to have a conversation with him because yeah. after work after feeding her, you know, trying mm. to make them eat dinner when they don't feel like eating dinner, mm. putting in the, them in the bath, them complaining about putting their clothes on, you know, mm. you've literally got nothing left and yeah. you actually don't want to speak to your partner. You don't want to have a conversation with anyone. Like mm. you pretty much just, well, well I do, pretty much mm. just want to go to bed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, it's 100%. like I'm just going to start like, it all over again tomorrow, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I think um, that's it's amazing, isn't it, how resentment builds. A hundred percent. Where it can be communication could be used more effectively. Yeah. But as you said, I mean, my experience is very similar. As the mum, I do feel, it, although we, you know, went into this being like, yeah, 50-50 parenting, like we'll both do what mm. we can, whatever, we've both got demanding jobs, really as the mum, you know, it's like, you know, 
80, 20, although Jules would probably say he does more than 20, but you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, it's just that we just do naturally t- take on more. Um, I think you're right though. Like it's just that open communication, which is certainly a piece that I've certainly learned, um, in the last, what, almost two years after having children. I think prior, you know, it's okay to both be career people and or both have busy lives in whatever you are doing. And, and you know, when you don't have anyone else to be responsible for, it just, you know, you cruise along and it's all happy days. And this is where, I mean, you know, obviously with a few bumps in the road because that's life, but mm. it's just amazing that, that pressure cooker situation that, that children can really put on relationships. Yeah. Um and yeah, I've ne- I found that communication has honestly never been so critical, um, yeah. quite frankly. And again, something that we did quite early in the piece because I was getting to resentmentville, um, mm. and this was when I wasn't working and I was looking after Eloise all week. Is mm. we used to do daddy daughter time every Saturday morning, where Pablo and Eloise just spent the morning together. I went to Pilates, I then had a massage and I think it was about three hours of just time to myself Mm, and I felt a million dollars afterwards and it was really good for him and his connection with Eloise as well because, you know, she was so used to being with me all the time and I was Mm. always the most important person in her life. It was good Mm. for them to kind of have that connection and it was also just good for him to look after Eloise by himself and understand, you know, it is quite a lonely experience by yourself Mm. And sometimes when they have done a punami and, um, you know, it would be nice to have two sets of hands because the poo is going all the way up to their neck and then they're rolling in it. And, yeah, it'd be nice to have somebody to take the old pooey nappy away while while somebody's cleaning and putting a clean one underneath. Like it's not always possible to have an extra set of hands and actually you've got to work it out and it's stressful and, you know, it just gives them a little bit of understanding about being in your shoes and I think that makes them better partners as well. Oh, absolutely. Any final tips on sort of how mums can balance it all, I guess, things that, I mean, you've talked a lot about the structure and that really helps you. Um, Anything else that sort of comes to mind around that or predominantly structure? The structure's been really good. Um, I guess from an organisation perspective, like Mm. if you need your partner to be looking after your child on certain nights or coming home early. We send each other diary invites of what we're doing and when when someone's responsible for for the child. Um, mm. And the quicker you get that diary invite, the more um, the more access you get to going out because it's whoever mm. gets the gets the time in first. Um, <laughs> I think definitely the freezing meals helps. Um, mm. Obviously, Uber Eats is one of my best friends. Um, <laughs> I think as well around balancing it all. I think it's finding how you can get some time for yourself. So for example, from an exercise perspective, I always exercise in my lunch break. So from work. So I know I've got that time because she's in childcare. So I take that. I always take my lunch break in order to get a bit of mental health space, um, get my exercise in and feel like I've got a bit of time for me. Mm. Um, Again, from a balancing it all, I think use whatever help people will give you and don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, Generally, your family, your friends are happy to lend a hand. You've just got to ask for it. I've got a lot of friends that just aren't comfortable asking for it. They feel, um, yeah, just that they can't ask for help. So I think Mm. asking for help as much as possible um, is a really key one. 
Mm, oh, yeah, I yeah, can totally relate. That's something that I you mentioned you weren't overly comfortable with initially. Mm. Neither was I. It's almost a bit of a practice. And I don't know if there's that underlying guilt that, oh, you know, I should be able to do it all. But certainly I think it gets easier. The more that you're, you've um, become comfortable with asking, I think that just starts getting a little bit easier to do over time. So Yeah, and I think it's also putting value on your time for yourself mm. as well and understanding yes. what, what you value. Because if you understand what you value in life and what gives you energy, you can then mm. make sure you put those things that give you energy in your life so that you can top up those energy levels and yeah, not get drained. Absolutely. And not not sort of losing yourself in amongst motherhood, um, which exactly. is very easy to do. Exactly. Final question I ask all of our mum guests, how do you think motherhood has changed you as a person? Um, I'd probably say from a work perspective I'm probably a little bit more human. Um, whereas <laughs> I was all systems go 24-7 all the time, mm. I think now I'm a lot more understanding of people and not moving at such a fast pace you know when you're Mm. when you've had a night where you've been up four or five times and you're not at your 100% a game um Mm. I'm now experiencing that and realizing when other people aren't 100% why they might be 100% Mm. so I think I'm a little bit more human at work um Mm. and I think it's really helped me um with my patience. I think I'm a little bit more patient. I can sit down and take time and moments with Eloise, you know, spend time smelling the roses as they say. Mm. Um, But yeah, appreciating those little things. And it has also really made me appreciate my me time. So when I do get um, those glimmers of time to yourself, um, I just, yeah, I'm not sitting down um, just staring at a screen. I'm just really enjoying it and being a lot more mindful about it. Yeah, no, can totally relate to all of that. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for joining us on the podcast today. It's been great to chat. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and give us five stars if you're feeling fancy. By subscribing to the podcast, every new episode will drop into your podcast library each week. Subscribing is also such an essential way for people to find us and to enable us to grow. Want to be part of the Mum Life community? Join our Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at Mum Life Podcast. Until next time, keep living your best mum life.